This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, on assignment. On assignment. Can't for say this, where. For this recording. We can't say where he is. He's in Black Ops someplace, fighting for our country. <laughs> Andy Hansman alongside. Wherever you're listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. Joining us on the phone a little bit later will be lead baseball writer for USA Today, Bob Nightingale. Uh, he's got a great piece. Uh, I think it came out Thursday about how bad baseball is right now, and he's got some really interesting stats. We're going to talk about that. I mean, some really interesting stuff. The I think baseball, from almost like from a competitive standpoint, is starting to become a little bit like the NBA, where you have some really good teams and a bunch of really bad, awful teams, and some teams that are in the middle. And I think the Cardinals, I hate to say it, Cardinal Nation, the Cardinals are kind of one of those teams that are in the middle. What? Yeah. No, that can't be right. I'm sorry. We are we are in the middle, which is a bad place to be. We're like the we Atl- are. we're like the Atlanta Hawks. Only thing we're not going to make the playoffs. Even if we did make the playoffs, I mean, we're probably not going to go far. But I got a feeling we're not going to make the playoffs third year Ooh, in a row. A, that's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, really going on a limb on that one, aren't Big I? Big limb. Big limb on that one. Hope your limb is strong, sir. So Bob Nightingale will be joining us here in a little bit. Andy Hanselman, how was your weekend, sir? My weekend was good. I got to uh, rock the ones and twos last night at a local establishment. Okay, this wasn't a wedding reception. No, I just, I just, this I, was at a bar or a, or a restaurant or something. Yeah, a bar. It's, actually, it's kind of more of a restaurant now. Okay, but it's, it's uh, just a bar with a with a pool table, and they have those nifty Illinois slot machines. Okay, that some of the bars in other towns have. So I was out kind of late. Uh, what did I do Friday night? What's an Illinois slot machine? How's that different than anything else? They can put them in bars. Okay, so it's, an, it's like a normal slot machine. It's just that they're in bars. They're in bars. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, I thought I didn't know if like Illinois slot machine was some kind of, you know, code for something. No, no, no code. It's okay. just it's just it's like a, a Cleveland steamer or something like that. No. Okay. The, I gave her the Illinois slot. I machine. I gave her the Illinois slot machine. It was really good. <laughs> so that, but that's what you did. That's what I did. Okay, I when I was in college, I actually DJed for about three months at a bar, and I hated it. Hated it. So last night, do we have time for a story? Another DJ story? Absolutely. So we we always kick the show off with with a good DJ story. Dude comes up, and he says he wants to go put money in the jukebox. My little station is set up like right in front of the jukebox. Okay. He goes to start with money. I said, "No, dude." I said, "I'm I'm playing music." Oh, I was wondering what you were doing over here. I'm like, I'm just a guy sitting at the bar with a laptop open for four hours. I I don't. (laughs) I'm here working on a screenplay. Exactly. Yeah. I said, so I said, well, is there, is there something you want to hear? Well, yeah. So he pulls out his iTunes list and he starts naming every deep track of an REM album, U2, Pearl Jam, everything. I mean, sure. Deep, 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 deep tracks. And I told him, I must have told him no nine times. Like, no, I don't have the song. I don't have the no, song. No, I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have, I don't, I've never even heard of these songs. And I feel like I've heard of most songs. So we figure out, he requests five songs that we actually have. I'm like, usually my limit is three. It was a slow night last night. Sure. I'm like, dude, that's five. That's, that's plenty. Well, do you have this song? I said, I'm, really, I'm not trying to be rude, sir. But that's five songs. You don't get any. That, that's it. That's you're, all done. You, you're done. You're done. You're good. You go, go hang out and listen you to your listen, songs. You, yeah, you want to listen to your playlist, go home and listen to your playlist. As soon as I start playing the dude's first song, he goes outside and is outside for the rest of his songs. 
Because you told him? No. Just she just just happened to be that way. Yes. <laughs> That's hysterical. So he, this guy's been a troublemaker at other Collinsville bars as well. Okay. He always. How old of a gentleman would you say this guy 65 is? Sixty-five to seventy. He's, oh. He's 65 and 70, and he's requesting, like, deep Pearl Jam tracks? Yes. Really? Yeah. Obviously, he has crazy music t- uh, taste. So, uh, but he goes to other bars, and they don't. he doesn't like what's being played on the jukebox. And so he has them plug his phone in. He must spend a lot of money. Okay. Because I'd be telling the guy, like, get the F out of here. Yeah. Or put your headphones in and sit at the bar quietly and don't bother anybody. Or just stay at home. Or stay home. Or go out to your car and listen to your, okay, like your song. If, if he's 65 or 70, or if he's as old as you're suggesting. He was every bit of it. Okay. You're not I mean, you're not going to the bar to look to get tail anyway. No. He was just going to hang out and wanted to listen to music. Okay, so you're just doing that because you're sick of being at home. You don't want to look like a loser. Burger, his so tracks. So I'm, I'm going to go someplace and be a pain in the ass. Exactly. His tracks were so deep. Like, you can't even find them on touch tunes, on the jukeboxes. That, yeah, that's pretty deep. I mean, that's deep. That's deep. So that was my fault. Because touch tunes almost has everything. Everything. Almost everything. That you would want to hear at a bar. I DJed at a bar in Warrensburg called the Star Bar. Okay. And I was there, did I say three months? It was more like a month and a half. But I, but I it hate, felt like three months. It felt like three months. It felt like three years. I hated every bit of it because the guy that owned the club wanted it to sound kind of like a New York, LA, Las Vegas nightclub. It's like, dude, you're in Warrensburg. Yeah. And I'm like, I have no idea what any of these tracks are. None yeah. of them. And this was, you know, in the mid to late 90s. So we're using his records? Is that what he had? C- CDs. His CDs? He had CDs and then he had songs that were highlighted. Okay. And he had a brand new board with brand new equipment and it's still... Nice. Yeah, but it's still screwed up from time to time. And when it did, it was always my fault. And I have no idea what these songs are, so I have no idea what the flow is going to be from one song to the next, right. like how it's going to sound, because I've never heard of any of this stuff. Yeah. Except like maybe one night when you're like late at night when you're watching TV and they're trying to sell one of those CDs. It's and it's like life. Yeah, like dance music, whatever. And you're like, okay, that song, that song, that song. I mean, that's what I was kind of doing. Yeah. I would wait for one of those infomercials to come on and I would write the songs down and get like an idea of what those songs sounded like and then try to put a playlist together like that. And here's another thing, too, that was the most bizarre thing ever. The guy was the guy was gay. I mean, he I don't know if he ever really came out and said it, but, I mean, sure. he wasn't fooling anybody. Right. And one of the most racist individuals I ever met in my entire so life. So a gay racist guy. A gay racist guy, which I didn't think ever existed. I didn't think it existed either. But it does. apparently he's the first one, maybe the only one. I don't know. So he hated it when I played rap music. Hated it. You're at a club. What else are you going to play? But, and back in the late 90s, the, I mean, that is right in the heyday of Pony. Absolutely. Genuine, Usher. Next. All of it. All that stuff. And, that, and that's and, what the girls wanted to hear. And that's the only thing I really knew. Well, of course. Okay, so if I played two rap songs in a row, I was done. He, I could still see him walk up the steps. The, 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 the Star Bar in Warrensburg, I don't know what it's called now. Well, the Star Bar in Warrensburg was a little bit like uh, the Blue Note in Columbia, where, okay. where it was kind of like a movie theater way back then, Yeah, and now it's a bar. So I could still see him walk up the steps to scream at me for playing too much of that, you know what, music. And shit. R- r- rhymes with chigger. Awful. Awful. Yeah. So Awful. Th- so the first time he did that, the next day I quit. For you. And I quit like five minutes before I was supposed to be there. 
Nice. Call him up. I told him, Randy, this is Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm not coming in tonight. In fact, bleep you, I quit. Yeah. And he hung up on me. Those guys are used to that stuff, though. Yeah, they are. Yeah, bar owners are their own their own breed. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> I could imagine owning one. People keep telling me I look like somebody who would own one. I can see that. But, I mean, I... I've the s- problem is I don't see you ponied up at the bar every single night. No, not every night. Yeah, no, even if you owned one. No. You couldn't... I don't, I don't see you doing that. I, 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 Well, I mean, I would probably want to just in case anything went bad. I would want to be there. Yeah. Because I'm even like that with my regular job. If there's a, a problem file and the problem file is my file and there's a there's a big issue with it, I want to resolve it immediately. And I yeah. stop everything and I want to solve it right then and there. I don't want to let it linger. I don't want to put it off. I want to take care of it right then and there. Which is more than I can say for the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> right. They have a problems of all sorts of They're their having own. all kinds of problems. <laughs> I will go ahead. What a segue. I will go ahead and give a, a free plug to Bernie Micklitz who wrote an absolutely fantastic piece on one-on-one-sports.com. Uh, I think Bernie's the best, at least at writing, whenever he's snarky and whenever he's in a bad mood. I think that's, that's when he is the, the absolutely most entertaining. Kind of like the same thing with the film critic. The late, great Roger Ebert. Whatever I, I used to watch Siskel and Ebert and then Ebert and Roper all the time. In fact, it was kind of like I had, I had to credit them with the way that I kind of started really watching movies and films. Really? Like, if you start looking at it through a more critical eye, and you can, you know, appreciate, like, the artsy-fartsy movies, it's kind of like fine wine, fine dining. You you appreciate it a little bit more. When they gave Tommy Boy two thumbs down, I was done with them. <laughs> they gave a lot of movies I liked two thumbs down. They yeah. gave a lot of movies that they, they gave two thumbs up that I ended up watching kind of, like, based on the recommendation. I'm like, this movie was terrible. I don't know. I mean... Even like I even like some art movies, and I would watch it and be like, "This movie's awful." I don't know what they were thinking, but um, I always thought it was best whenever they would rip a movie apart. I thought that was the most entertaining. Roger Ebert, even once a year, the the late great Roger Ebert would even put out a book once a year called "Why Your Movie Sucks." Oh, and, and it would be a compilation of all of the negative reviews that he wrote yeah. for the Chicago Sun Times, and they were always hysterical. Like my, I think my favorite one was about uh, Armageddon. If you read his review of Armageddon, you will laugh out loud at least three times. I need maybe I'll Google that up tonight. So his uh, Bernie's latest on 101sports.com. Mike Matheny isn't the problem. The real problem are his enablers, and yeah, that's every that's everybody's problem. But I mean, it's especially his, especially his problem, especially his problem. So who are his enablers then? Dewitt, Dewitt, Mazalak. And the puppet guy Gersh, and then, and then Mike Gersh, who I mean, like, everybody kind of poor Mike Gersh. Well, gets, I know who's the he, nicest guy in the world. I, I've never met him, but I've, I've heard we've uh, Roddy and I interviewed him the uh, the day he became general manager. Okay, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I remember that now. And it was he was just he the, seems like he's a perfectly nice guy. But is there anybody more overlooked in the Cardinal organization than Mike Gersh? And he's the GM. He's the general manager of the organization. He's a general manager of one of the crown jewels. Of Major League Baseball, yeah. and it seems like everybody forgets about him because yeah, and he, they he, never, he never gets blamed. It's always Mazalak. So, quick sidebar on that, real quick. When we interviewed him, you know, they they had Mazalak bow tie night. Okay. So Roddy asked him, "Hey, what kind of promotional item can they have for you? A pocket protector? Because he's a nerd. Okay. He's, a, he's so he laughed and he thought that was hilarious. Did he really? That they have the Michael Gersh pocket protector night. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. I'm sorry for my side. No, no problem. So this is one of the things that Bernie writes in his piece. 
since June 26th of last season. Now, keep in mind, I think this got posted on 101sports.com probably on – it got posted on Friday. Okay. Okay, so keep in mind these stats may have you know skewed a little bit depending on when you're on when you listen to this. But this was posted on Friday because he's talking about that pooch screw that they had on Thursday night against the Brewers in Milwaukee. So since June 26th of last season, the Cardinals are 70 and 71 when facing teams other than the Reds. Since last August 13th, the Cardinals are 46 and 56 when the Reds aren't the opponent, and the Cardinals' record is 32 and 44 when playing against someone other than the Reds since last September 15th. They're not very good. That tells you everything you need to know. Unless this team is playing the Reds, they're not a good team. They're not a good baseball team. They're not team. a good team. So this is kind of what I... But they won 8-2 to two today. They Okay, that's great. There's going to be times <laughs> when they're going to look great. They split the series in Milwaukee, but... Good for them. There's going to be times when they're going to look okay. And they're like... A, what the, Someone told me that my, uh, my comparison of them to a stale fart last weekend was right on the nose because that's kind of what it is. They're just going to kind of linger around long enough. Right now, they're two and a half out of the last wild card spot in the National League. And that's probably where they're going to be kind of like all year. That makes us a competitive organization. And that's it. That's that, And that is going to be their excuse all year is that, you know what, we're it, we're in it. We're not completely out of it. So we feel no need to make wholesale changes. So when the trade deadline comes, they're going to do what they always do. They're going to take some minor leaguer that you never heard of and trade that person for a middle reliever that you've right. never heard of. Exactly. And that's going to be their move. That's I, going to be their move. Octavio Dotel. Yeah, it's going to be something like that. You're going to, there's going to be some minor leaguer that maybe, you know, really hardcore Cardinal fans are going to be upset about. Everybody else is going to be like who? And then it's going to be some middle reliever who's been in the league for maybe five or six years who's got a, a decent ERA and a right. decent whip. Not great, but decent. And he's going to come in, and he's going to be just okay. It's going to be another reliever for Mike Matheny to have come out, face against two batters, and then yank right out of there. Yeah. And they're, not, they're never going to make wholesale changes on this team, and they should. They need to. They need to. Do you trade decks at this point at the deadline if you can? At this point, I would I would trade almost anybody. The, the, I would the, trade anybody not named Jack Flaherty. I take that back. I would trade anybody not named Jack Flaherty, and I would probably hold on to Molina just for the PR, and I want to see him retire as a Cardinal. Right. I would say everybody else, you're fair game. Everybody else is fair game. I would, I, the problem is there was Dex, one has, point Dex has no trade value right none. now. None. If you're going to trade Dex or Fowler, you're eating almost every single bit of that contract. You're 100% of it. You're not going to eat. You're not going to eat 100% of it, but you're going to eat 99.5. No, you're going to you're <laughs> going to eat probably any. You're going to eat above 80 of it, yeah. 80% of it. I mean, he's in year two of a five of a five year deal. I, I don't know why these outfielders don't like playing here. It's very strange. Well, they. I mean, I don't think it's a, like I don't know what it is. They get it's here. It's not that they don't like it. It's just that I don't know why they don't perform when they get here. Th- there's got to be something to it. So there has to be something to it. There's got to be something. I I don't know what it is. Is it Mabry? It could be Mabry, maybe it's Matheny, maybe I don't know what else it could be. Who's the bench coach? The bench coach is um, the guy who took over for third base last year. I can't, the guy who got hit in the head with yeah. a foul ball. I can't think of his name. Yeah, I can't think of his name head. either. But there's there, some there's something there's a piece in there that's missing. Something is not jiving. Here's what needs to be done, Cardinal Nation. If you're listening to me, and I hope you are, you just got you guys need to quit going to the ballpark. They're never going to make changes until it starts hitting him in the pocket. They have a $1 billion television deal with Fox Sports Midwest. But quit watching the games. That will hit him in the pocket. That, that too. Quit going to the games and quit watching the games. I watched the game today 
Um, that's because the World Cup game that was on, I really wasn't that interested in. It was Poland and Argentina. And I wasn't that interested in, in either one than either one of those teams. Two two. They played I think they ended up winning three to nothing. You're talking about the Poland Argentina match. Pol- uh, Argentina won three to nothing. Oh, I don't have. The- oh, I do have that one here. But that's yeah. the only reason why I watched the Carl game. The, the Carl game on Saturday, I didn't watch any of it. But the game on Thursday night, I didn't watch any of it either. I was watching the NBA draft, as boring as that was. <laughs> it's pretty boring. It was pretty boring. And normally, I watch the NBA draft because I like watching trades, but there weren't any trades. Yeah. At least not really big ones. Here's here's something else that Bernie wrote in that piece. On uh, 101sports.com. Over the last two seasons, the Cardinals are 19 and 10 against Cincinnati and 38 and 47 against the other three NL Central teams. That includes a combined 22 and 34 record against the Cubs and the Brewers. That's not good. It's not good. And I mean, the that whole. That means you are not the Central Division elite anymore. No. And I. But I think that's easy to say. Without, without, I mean, you can you can pretty much make that assumption without having those. And stats. I said at the time when the Cardinals got knocked out by the Cubs in the first round of the playoffs, of the Cardinals had won 100 games. I said that this is actually a good thing because this is going to make the Cardinals want to be better. Here come the Cubs, the, even the Cubs winning the World Series. This is going to make hopefully make the Cardinals better. Your 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 uh, your number one rival, them being good, is actually really good for the team that you love because it's going to make them try harder. Well, so far, are they really trying harder? I mean, I know they went out and they got Marcelo Zuna, and they're going to point to the money they spent on Dexter Fowler and the, the money they spent on on Brett Cecil. But do you think the Cardinal fans are happy with either two, with either one I of mean, those players right now? I mean, both of their no, impact moves, the ones that have proven to be impact moves, were low-dollar transactions. Bud Norris and... Uh, and uh, uh, Miles Miklas. And Miles Miklas. Absolutely. I mean, those are your those are your two, at the midpoint of the season, those are your two impactful moves. And they both cost you less than a million dollars. The whole theme of Bernie's piece on 101, uh, 101sports.com is basically kind of like, okay, if the roster is good enough, then the manager is ineffective. And if the manager isn't the problem and the roster is bad, then why aren't you overhauling the roster? Like either one of them has to go. Either you overhaul the roster or you fire the manager. But what you're doing right now, it isn't working. It, it, this, like I said, this year is looking a lot like last year and a lot like the year before. They're going to finish. They're going. They're going to. They're going to have a winning record. Technically, a winning record. They're going to win anywhere between 83 and maybe 85, 88 games if they're lucky. And this is, like I said, it's a good record if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates or you're the Miami Marlins or I, I used to say the Brewers, but not anymore. The Brewers have surpassed us. They have. And the reason why here's the reason why Cardinal fans are freaking out. Yeah, we're spoiled. We're absolutely spoiled. But this is the number one source of civic pride right now. This is St. Louis Cardinals and has been for a long time. What else do we have to be prideful about? The crime? The Rams? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Are, I mean, are we supposed to be prideful about the crime? Oh, I know what it the is. The STDs? You mentioned them earlier, the St. Louis Hawks. Oh, yeah, the St. Louis Hawks, fly them back home, right? Yeah, bring the Hawks home. (laughs) But that's the reason why Cardinal fans are freaking out. It's the number one source of civic pride. There's nothing to be too prideful about with this organization. I I would offer a counterpoint, but you're spot on is the problem. I have nothing to argue with. And Mosaic, at the very end of the year, when this team finishes like the year before, and the year before is going to say the same thing. Well, I thought we were very competitive. Matt Berger, what do you overhaul then? But if you had to choose to overhaul something, what do you overhaul? Do you overhaul the management or do you overhaul overhaul the roster? I, I overhaul management because it's easier to do. It's easier to overhaul the, the it's easier to overhaul the manager than it is the roster. When they put when they put up the graphic when Matheny won his one thousandth game as Cardinals manager, 
and he is now he has a higher winning percentage through 1,000. I'm sorry, he manages 1,000 his 1,000th game, has a higher winning percentage than Whitey Herzog, Joe Torre, and Tony Larusa. Now, granted, Joe Torre had a terrible run here, but through 1,000 games, Mike Matheny has a higher winning percentage than those other sure. than those Hall of Fame managers. I think what we've, what we've learned with baseball. Baseball has more stats than any other sport that I can think of. More than football, more than baseball. What than the ba- hell's a whip? Yeah, more than basketball, <laughs> more than hockey. They've yeah. got more stats. And I think because we've uh, uncovered and learned about these other stats, we've come to learn that the winning percentage, yeah, the ultimate thing is to win the game. Right. But like the win-loss record doesn't always tell the whole story. It's kind of like the year that Felix Hernandez won the Cy Young Award, and he had like he was, his record was like 13-10. and 10. But his overall record, when he looked at his ERA and he looked at his whip and he looked at all of his other statistics, they were all superior to everybody else's. Just the team around him was garbage. And everybody's like, why are we punishing him? Because his team was terrible. He was the best pitcher in the American League. This is the reason why you're giving him the Cy Young. Right. You can't just look at his win-loss record. you got to look at everything else. Well, Adam Wainwright got screwed out of a Cy Young award that one year he won 19 games because there was some, some stuff with the team that screwed him out. The Cardinals have problems, and Major League Baseball has problems. We're going to talk it over with Bob Nightingale next from usatoday.com. Bob Nightingale joining us from usatoday.com. You can follow him on Twitter at bnightingale. Bob, thank you so much for making time for us. How are you? Yeah, doing great, Matt. Thanks. Good. Uh, Your piece that you wrote for usatoday.com, absolutely loved it. It's entitled, uh, Baseball is in a bad place right now, and the numbers show it. And you basically were saying that right now, Major League Baseball, they're on target to have more strikeouts than hits first time ever in Major League history. Yeah, it's been all good to watch. I mean, just say, you know, guys like Max Scherzer, he's from, you know, he's from St. Louis. He's about to tie or break Bob Gibson's record for uh, most games of 10 strikeouts or more. And he says, well, it's just, you know, apples and oranges. He, he was almost like he doesn't feel that good about it because it's not the same game where guys actually used to care about striking out, you know, back in the day. You know, now nobody does. Yeah, it's an alarming 22.5% of all plate appearances uh, are on strikeouts, and we're on pace for more strikeouts, uh, 18,613 compared to hits, 18,136. And that was entering into lat- this past Wednesday's uh, non-action. Is Rob Manfred, how alarmed is he about all of this? Do you know? Well, I think he's troubled by it, and the, uh, you know, especially with the tenants taking a dip like it has, down 6.5% which was the biggest in over, you know, two decades. Uh, so, yeah, they're trying to, you know, do things and trying to, you know, wake up the offense, you know, and make it, you know, more more fun, more more action in games. You're saying that the average attendance to date is 27,675, which would be the lowest since 1996. Yeah, and that was right after the uh, strike. So, uh, yeah, so obviously people, you know, uh, are, are kind of down on the product right now. Bob, you mentioned the umpires wanting to widen the strike zone in your uh, in your story, and and on the broadcast here in St. Louis, at least on the radio, uh, John Rooney and Mike Shannon spent a lot of time talking about the strike zone. Um, it, have they already kind of started doing it on their own without approval from Major League Baseball, or is this something that maybe is just being observed more more high more in in a more vacuum, if you will, more of a vacuum. Yeah, I don't think the umpires are taking on their own because, you know, kind of get in trouble with the league offense since they evaluate everything else. So they'd almost have to get approval just to a, uh, you know, strike zone. 
without they just do it themselves. Granted, a lot of a lot of umpires, you know, do it different. Uh, everybody's got their own different strikes on it. Seems like, but I, I don't think any umpires are just saying, you know what, we're widening the strike zone on our own. I know some of the other suggestions uh, that you wrote about in your column are about lowering the mound, something that hasn't been done since Bob Gibson in the '60s, and even also maybe even moving the mound back, uh, you know, further than the 60.6 inches that it is from home plate. Uh, how serious are either one of those considerations right now, or do you think that this is, or this baseball kind of think, you know what, this is just kind of how the game is. Eventually, the, the ship will correct itself. Well, I think they're hoping it corrects itself, but they're, you know, kind of scared it doesn't. I mean, it's, this has been going on now for a, a a number of years, and I don't know if they could ever lower the mound. I mean, you know, it'd probably depend on, you know, do they think they'll cause more pitcher injuries? We already have too many pitcher in, injuries as it is. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if they want to, you know, move their mound back. I mean, that's kind of goes against all baseball tradition. Uh, but, yeah, something something's got to be done here. You also write that a staggering 41 position players who appeared uh, in this last Tuesday night's games were batting 200 or below. So, see, Cardinal fans, it's not just Dexter Fowler. It's everybody. It's everybody. It's 41 it's position players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, guys, there's guys like, you know, are anything below 130, 120. It's, it's amazing uh, how this is going on. What, what do you think the cause of it is, uh, Bob? If you had to estimate, do you think that it's just the way that the, the hitters are approaching the game where they either want to strike out or hit a home run because home runs are the highlights that are shown on SportsCenter? Or what, what do you think is causing this lack of offensive production? Well, I think just guys are swinging for the fences, whether you have the same swing, whether it's a 3-0 count or 0-2 count. And uh, if they strike out, so be it. But no one seems like they changed their approach. Uh, no one's bunting anymore. You know, we're not seeing hit and runs by the managers. So just the uh, everybody swings to the fences, and, and you know, it's like nobody wants to take take half that field that the uh, shifts are giving giving them. An example you give is that the Arizona Diamondbacks have the lowest batting average at 227 in all of baseball, with 134 more strikeouts than hits, and they're currently right now the first place team in the NL West. Yeah, it just shows you how uh, widespread it's become an epidemic. Yeah, the, the lack of the lack of offense, and they can go get the ball and stuff like that, but they're just living off their pitching and particularly their defense. Uh, you know, where we where before you have a betting average like that, you're, you know, you're in last place. I I think the most staggering stat that that you write in your piece too is the average time between balls put in play, according to Sports Illustrated, is three minutes and forty five seconds. That's a long time, especially in this day and age where we have such short attention spans between actual action on the field. Yeah, that's a uh, way too long to wait, you know, for a ball to be put in play. Uh, people get people get bored. People go people will go home or just not show up. Uh, you're right. Our attention span now is shorter than ever. And and uh, what's going on in baseball now can be you know can be tough to watch at times. Bob, you mentioned the shift a little while ago, and I was listening to uh, sports on a Sunday morning here on Camel X in St. Louis, and Mike Kelly was talking with Matheny about the shift, and Matheny wants to see the shift outlawed to where players have to play their own position. They can't they can't move to one side of second base to in order to give themselves a defensive advantage. Do you think that that would, by disallowing that, would that create more offense that would help resolve some of this problem? Because so many guys are pull hitters, or so many guys, you know, do only hit to one field. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on that? It's funny talking to players; they don't really want to see that change. And I don't know why. I, I thought they would. 
uh, particularly when, you know, guys are getting robbed at 20, 30 hits a year. Uh, you know, I think the big thing is just for organizations to quit rewarding players that strike out, saying, okay, we're going to give them a, uh, you know, less money when they hit arbitration or, or not sign a guy as a free agent. Uh, and certainly you got to make these guys, you know, better hitters than minor leagues. You know, whether, when all you have to do is just you know, throw your bat out there and roll a ball at third base for a single, you know, why not do it? With the pre- with the plethora of teams in the and they're, they're they can be uh, quote unquote competitive now because they're within X amount of games of the second wild card game. How much does that add to the disinterest of the fans to or maybe even or, or, or add to the interest if people are truly interested in their team making the postseason, but their the, but their postseason could be a, a one game playoff game. Yeah, I mean, even with the extra round of, uh, you know, extra wild card team, look at American League. I mean, you already know that the Yankees and Red Sox are in the playoffs. Cleveland's in the playoffs. Houston's in the playoffs. They're really, really, the only race left is who's the second wild card team between Seattle and Anaheim. You know, so it's no, there's no competitive balance there. It's either the haves or have-nots. National League's different. National League, you know, isn't as strong as American League this year. But that, that's you know, so wide open. So we'll see if it makes a difference in September. With so many teams at least having a chance to uh, you know, get a wild card spot. I have one more little question for you. Rob, you said uh, Rob Manfred believes a pitch clock would be the magical elixir. Can you elaborate on that, on his comment, and what a little bit more of what he told you with that? Well, just he, he really wants, I think he was going to push it through this year if, if the players were already so upset with what happened in the winter with the uh, salaries. But just that, that, that 20 second pitch clock will make the game flow quicker. Uh, the guys that do the minor league said they get used to it. Clay Buckles was a slow starter uh, between pitches, and not you know now he's much quicker having been in the minor leagues. And who knows, maybe throws the pitchers timing off a little bit where the, where they won't be as dominant. But why does he think that is the the magic pill to fix to fix baseball? Uh, he just thinks that will be a big help. I mean, we already saw what five minutes you know five minutes are off games now with the catchers and infielders not going to uh, the mound so often. So I think he thinks this will take you know another perhaps ten minutes off the game, uh, and just make make it a quicker pace. Uh, just because the you know look at the minor league games, they're much quicker pace than the major league games. I think that will help too. At first, when I heard about it, I was I was kind of against it because like the beauty of baseball, I said there is no clock. But I think that maybe a clock is kind of what they need to get some of these pitchers in gear. And when I was watching the, the telecast between the, the Brewers and the Cardinals and Jim Edmonds and Dan McLaughlin were on the call, and there was a pitcher, a relief pitcher for the Brewers that was on the, on the bump. I can't remember what his name was, but he was kind of taking his sweet time up there and you know getting the pitch to the plate. And Edmonds was like, you know, if I was, if I was a center fielder, I'd be yelling at him, come on, let's get going. Because if you're in the field, it's kind of hard to not – Start looking in the stands, looking what's around you whenever he's taking, you know, forever today in between pitches, and that makes sense to me. You know, it's, it's it's you know it's it's impairing your defense if you're taking forever to get the ball to the plate. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in football, when a team's down there, you know, uh, toward the end of a game, it's not like he gets you know a minute and a half in between plays. You still got your you know forty seconds on that clock. You know, better get a playoff. And where you know people are screaming and yelling and everything else, so I think it might you know add to the anxiety and and pressure of that moment. You know, with this being World Cup season or actually a World Cup year, um, it's always Americans' contention or ones who don't follow soccer that soccer is boring because there's low because there's little to no scoring. I find myself glued to these soccer games because of the action. There's so much action, and I was thinking 
that these you know I generally I generally hear this from people who love baseball and say that baseball is you know is is full of action. Baseball compared to soccer is a snooze fest. It just I mean, really is more of a comment. Do you do you care to comment back on that? No, I mean right. I mean I I think that's why you know I mean football is easy. America's number one sport. I think NBA has might have passed it up by now. And uh, you be, better be careful. Hockey well too. You know people love going to hockey games. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on, on uh, America's Cup. Yeah, uh, I mean when four years ago when the uh, U.S. team was in there, I mean people were, were you know captivated throughout the country. But it can be a it can be a, a, a great game to watch, particularly with all the commercial breaks and everything else you have. Uh, there's hardly any commercials in soccer games. There, there, awesome. there isn't yeah, any. Yeah. Like, there's it's, none. It's, it's, it's first half, and then there's the halftime, and then there's the second half. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, and it's a running clock, too. And it's great. Yeah. I, I find the ending a little anticlimactic. It is. Because I know they have, like, the overage or whatever. Yeah. And they, they overage add, time, like, injury yeah, time. Yeah, they'll have, like, four or five minutes on it. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like the referees just blow the whistle and stop the game. Like, like this, it almost seems like it's arbitrary. All right, we're stopping. <laughs> it's think, over. It's yeah, done. I think the ending's a little anticlimactic. <laughs> uh, Bob Nightingale yeah, from... It, Go ahead, Bob. Oh, I was going to say, I think that's why Manford would love to have one day. I don't think it will happen. We'd love to have a runner in second base and extra innings uh, to start the 10th inning. Because so many of these extra inning games now are, you know, kind of dull. You know, long, you know, yeah. scoreless, in it, scoreless innings where, you know, of all the major sports, you know, baseball might have the dullest overtime of all of them. It's just kind of a, a marathon. I'm like, okay, can somebody score here? <laughs> I've, I've also and, heard. And, and, go ahead. And that's why you see fan, and you see fans leave. I mean, what, you know, look look how many fans you know leave games late now, seventh, eighth, ninth inning when the games uh you know uh, still outcome yet to be decided. And and by the time the tenth inning rolls around, eleventh inning rolls around, you know, hardly hardly anybody's in the stands to even cheer. I've heard some people even suggest that. In the ninth inning, whatever team is behind gets to set their one, two, three hitters in any order that they want. What do you think about that? Oh man! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that. That's that's a little wild. I, I just think that would mess with integrity of baseball strategy and everything else. That's that's a little too uh, much madness I, that, for you. That's 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 too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Nightingale from USA Today uh, joining us right now. You can follow him on Twitter at B Nightingale. Bob, let's turn to the the squad here in St. Louis uh, right now. They're with a win today. I guess the Milwaukee Brewers are four games above five hundred, but they've been kind of like what they were last year and the year before that. Not completely out of it, but not at the top of the pile either. When you look at this Cardinals team, what is your assessment of them, and do you think that they should be better than what they are, or are they? overachieving no they're certainly not overachieving it's either you know they are what they are they're underachieving uh you know national league is down let's face it i mean there's no good teams in the you know you know powerful teams in national league uh you know they're all they're all in american league this year um so i I think they should be better than they are i know they've had a ton of pitching injuries uh in particular lost molina for a month uh i mean their their team is capable of getting hot to say you know at the same time, but you know they uh, they play you know so mediocre baseball from from time to time. You know got got like a lot of uh, nice young talent. I still think they need that big bopper. I mean Osuna has helped. I think you need a guy like Machado in the middle of that lineup. I think that could maybe electrify a team. You are that—that that is music to my ears. Man. Matt Berger's eyes just oh. lit up like it's Christmas morning, Bob. Oh, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the love in my heart right now. But what are the odds of the Cardinals actually landing Manny Machado? I mean, they have as much money and, and certainly uh, as many prospects as any team that's interested in him. 
I mean, you're only talking about competing with maybe the Phillies, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, and I'm not even sure the Cubs would be involved as far as uh, trying to get him in. You know, and I think the, the one benefit to grabbing him is not only gives you a chance to win the uh, uh, division, get the playoffs, but it gives you upper hand in recruiting him as a free agent. I, I, you know, I think if Manny Machado does not play for the Cardinals, very unlikely he would sign there as a free agent. Just because he doesn't really know the city, you know, the American League and everything else. Yeah. Oh, um, he knows is the uh, you know, uh, American League and particularly uh, AL East with the, with the Yankees. So I think a guy like that would you know could really electrify the uh, team. Oh, I, I'm with you 100. percent But I mean, I think if the Cardinals are going to land Manny Machado, I'm with you. I don't think they can they have to go after him in free agency. I think they need to make the trade and then spend you know the last couple of months of the season working him, trying like you said, getting him used to the city and kind of like. Uh, you know, hoping that he'll like playing there and like the fan base. But I mean, if they're going to go into the offseason and try to do a bidding war, I, I think that works against them. And I think another thing, too, we're seeing this with a lot of free agents in Major League Baseball because a lot of them are younger. I mean, Andy and I both know this. And I think, Bob, you still live in St. Louis, or you did at one point. St. Louis is not exactly on the on the cutting edge of the, you know, twenty something lifestyle when it comes to things to do. No, no, you're you know, wrong. You're wrong. There's lots to do for twenty year olds. Not, no, there's not. They want to stay here in St. Louis. They do not. They do not. So do you think that's something that in this day and age kind of hurts the Cardinals? Because I, I know they used to get some of the other free agents, but these were guys who were married and had kids a little more settled down. No, it it, it does hurt. You're absolutely right. In the sense where you know, when busy ball clubs come to town, they either stay at the end of the West, right across the street from the ballpark, the Four Seasons by the casino, and some will stay in Clayton. But a uh, the, the players hate coming there because they're bored out of mind. Yeah, just because it's not a lively downtown. You know, so people don't. What? You know, they don't go the they don't go to Central <laughs> West End. They don't go to the Hill. You know, they they don't know where to go, and so they just kind of stay. You know, what they're familiar with, and so St. Louis has got a horrible reputation of just being a, a dull city. So you're absolutely right. You need a guy to, you know, uh, get around the city and, you know, show them around, that sort of thing, to kind of woo them there as a free agent. So here's what we need to do. We need to make the trade for Manny Machado. Right. And then when we get him here, we need to have Team Welcome Wagon to show him every place to go that is not downtown. Oh, no, wait a minute. There's the new Rascal Flats bar downtown that he's going to love. Yeah, he looks like he's a Rascal Flats fan. So we got to show him all the things like, you know, we got Bar Napoli and Clayton. We got to get him to the Central West End. We got to get him to the Loop. We got to get him to some of the other more exciting places in St. Louis other than downtown. That's what we need to do. Yeah, absolutely. I was downtown. It was fine. But just people always you know, raise your eyebrows like downtown. But, you know, hey, when, when a game's not going on, whether it's uh, Cardinals or Blues, uh, you know, downtown could be dead. Pretty dead. Holiday weekends. You're absolutely right. Uh, Bob, uh, final question. Give me one surprise team in both leagues and give me one disappointing team in both leagues. Well, I think the biggest surprise in the American League team, American League's got to be Seattle Mariners. Uh, just the fact they took off really when uh, Robinson Cano had the 80-game PD suspension. I think everybody thought, including myself, okay, they're done. And then play some great baseball, uh, you know, hang, hanging tough. Uh, I, I didn't see this coming. Then the National League, you, you know, you got to go to the Atlanta Braves. Where people thinking they'd be, you know, two, at least two years away from uh, being a contending team. And here they are. And same with the Phillies, for that matter. But particularly the Braves, you know, who, who have really been playing so bad over the last couple of years. And uh, the teams that have been disappointing? Uh, 
I'm trying to think. Disappointing. I, I got to go with the Mets. I, I thought the Mets would have a decent chance to get a, a wild card spot at least in that division and everything else. And when you have you know two great pitchers like Degrom and Syndergaard, and still some uh, all stars around the uh, on the field, uh, I got to go with them as the biggest disappointment in the uh, National League. American League, I, I got to go Baltimore Orioles. I mean, being a pace for 114 or 116 losses, you know they they should have been at least a competitive team this year not to be one of the biggest laughing stocks in baseball history. It has gotten so bad for the Mets in New York. A friend, a buddy of mine lives in New York City, and he texted me today saying that Mets fitted caps are going for $10 now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they can't even give Mets caps away in New York. That's how bad the Mets are. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to watch. And I don't, I don't think they'll trade DeGrom or Syndergaard. You know, they may trade some winter pieces. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's like, especially when you're in the same city as the Yankees. And so the Yankees are just going to click completely dominate the headlines, you know, day after day and you're after that. Bob, one kind of last silly question, not really silly though, but kind of just on my mind. Back to making the game more exciting. There was a video that came out that went viral earlier this week or earlier this month where they showed an ejection uh, between the Mets and I forgot who the other team was. How do you feel about putting mics on umpires to to air that kind of stuff later, like on YouTube or even like, you know, the Facebook lives? Um to, to give that kind of insight to that conversation that goes on when someone gets ejected. Well, I even saw something where I think it was Bryce Harper or or one of the players was mic'd. Go ahead, Bob. Uh, yeah, this this was a uh, yeah, this was an umpire that was mic'd, and the MLB was furious how it got out. You know, who knows how it got oh, out. Oh yeah, but you know, it can make Terry Collins you know look bad in the sense where you know, families are watching young kids just you know with the language. But hey, that's what we're missing in, in just in replays. You know, with all the replays now. It's like there's no reason for uh, umpire arguments to managers. And those were fun to watch. They are whether fun to watch. Was, yeah, yeah, whether it was a Whitey Herzog or Lou Pinella, Bobby Cox. That was great. Oh, or, now, or, or old Earl I Weaver. As Doug Vaughn yeah, called the old Banny Rooster. Earl Weaver. I think and, uh, Yeah, yeah, you know, Lou Pinella throwing the base around the yeah. field. But yeah, you don't have that anymore. So, yeah, we're, we're missing that. The reason why it's not happening anymore because in this day and age, if there was a manager acting like Earl Weaver or <laughs> Lou Pinello or Tommy Lasorda, I mean, people out there would be demanding he goes to anger management or some kind of counseling for that. That, it would, is that, would, that would that would drive me crazy. It's no longer nineteen. But there was something where I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Bryce Harper. There was somebody who was mic'd up during a preseason game. Oh boy! And, and what they were actually talking to him like during the game, and it was actually kind of fun because someone hit like this bomb home run over his head. And he's like, I'm not getting that one boys <laughs> and he just turned around and just wash it go over his head i'm like there's ways to make baseball more interesting and i think that that uh they may be kind of overlooking something here yeah they did for the you know for the all-star game last year remember that everybody had a fun time with it uh you know with, with what, everybody was mic'd up. mic'd up yeah uh, a couple players a couple players mic'd up but yeah it was a uh i made it fun to watch i don't think you do that during a game obviously. no you and can't play it live at all yeah, if you're inside a stadium, if you're inside a stadium, you're not going to hear it, right? Uh, but yeah, but no, the umpire thing with Terry Collins was uh, fabulous, and I, you know, even when we get in these brawls with these teams, hey, the fans eat that up, you know, the media, everybody else. It's it's fun to see, uh, you know, some hardcore rivalries in there and some bitter feelings rather than just guys, you know, hugging uh, before games and making uh, dinner plans with each other after games, right? Bob, we appreciate your time as always, sir, and uh, we look forward to having you on again soon. All right, my pleasure. Thank you guys. Take Thank, care. Thanks, Thanks Bob. Bob. See ya. Bob Nightingale from USAToday.com. You can follow him on Twitter at B Nightingale. 
You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger and Andy Hanselman. Clay Byersdorfer is on assignment. Secret, he double secret pro- dub- probation double assignment. Double secret assignment. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. You can follow Clay at Ton of Clayton. And you can follow Andy at Emo6. Uh, you talked about this during our conversation with Bob about the World Cup. I've been watching the World Cup. I haven't watched every match because a lot of times the games are on during the day when I'm at work. And right. I'm not going to be one of those people that actually sits there and watches the game on their computer. I try to be productive. You can't do that. You can, there's, only, there's only two times a year that you, or really four times a year you can do that. I mean, I really two. Masters and U.S. Open is the only time it's permissible to have a sporting oh, event. I, I mean, I would say the, the, uh, the, 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 opening, <clears throat> the opening two opening days of the NCAA tournament and opening day of the Cardinals. You should just take those days off work. Actually, the most popular day to get a vasectomy is the Wednesday before right. the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I've heard that. A friend of mine, actually, he actually did that. Oh, did he really? He got a vasectomy on Wednesday so he could sit in the recliner with a frozen bag of peas on his nuts and watch the, 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 the two opening days. <laughs> but um, the World Cup, the ratings are up. I thought for sure the ratings would be down because the U.S. men's national team was not in it. It's been the exact opposite. The ratings are actually up. Because the games have been pretty good. They've been very good. And I think another thing that's kind of helping, too, a lot of, you know, I, I saw this on Twitter with uh, with Lisa Hart from KTVI, kind of like rooting for roots. And I think that's what people are doing. Whatever uh, country your ancestors or most of your ancestors are, are from, that's probably the country that you're cheering for. And I'm seeing that a lot on my Facebook and my Twitter feeds. If your ancestors are from Mexico, odds are you're cheering for the Mexican national team. If your ancestors are mostly from Germany, like mine are, you're probably cheering for the German national team. So I've been seeing a lot of that. I think that's part of the reason why maybe the ratings have gone up. I'm pulling for Trinidad and Tobago because they knocked out the United States. That's who you're pulling for? Yeah. You're pulling for Trinidad and Tobago. Well, that's the name of the country. I know. Oh, okay. I was making a joke. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Misread. Sorry, buddy. But... um, no, I, was, I'm I, was, I was I was really surprised that the World Cup ratings are up. I really am. I thought for sure they'd be down. It's, they've been, I mean, first of all, you can't miss them. They're on Fox, on the, they're on Big Fox. They're, not, on, they're on, not buried on FS1. And Fox, in my opinion, has done a really good job, a great job. Of, of presenting them because they, in my opinion, they had some big shoes to fill. ESPN's coverage and ABC's coverage back in 2014 was sensational. It was, it was phenomenal. spectacular because you had people on there who really knew and understood soccer like Bob Lee, Mike Tirico. Yeah. And they had, you know, Alexi Lawless was on ESPN and now mm-hmm. he's on Fox. I think that, 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 I think that helps the Americas is having Alexi Lawless on there because he's one of the bigger names in soccer that American fans will recognize. But um, Fox has done an absolutely tremendous job, in my opinion, of, sh- of showing the games, of broadcasting the games. The announcers have been good. They've been very good. Uh, I-, I forgot what the gentleman's name was, but he has, he sounded like he may have had a Hispanic accent, and he was the one calling the uh, Mexican national game, this one this past Saturday against um, South Korea. Right. And, I mean, he was getting into it. It almost sounded like you were listening to the home call of the game, and it was fun. There's nothing better than a Spanish goal call. Oh, no. Nothing. Nothing's better. Actually, almost anything fun, Almost anything is better in Spanish. If you, listen, so you, you can also get fun on YouTube, like game the home run that David Freeze hit in Game 6 of the World Series. You can find that in Spanish, and it's incredible. You could find in Spanish the boneheaded play that J.R. Smith made at the end of Game 1 of the NBA Finals. You can How's find, that? Oh, it's, it's hysterical. 
Yeah, it's hysterical. <laughs> You'll hear like, oh my God, J.R. Smith, and what are you doing, J.R. Smith, like in Spanish. Nice. Yeah. If I, if I can remember what it was in Spanish, I would say it, but my Spanish is not very un- good. I can't understand a word they're saying. I just enjoy the hell out of it. Oh, I do too. Because I, Be- I took French in high school. I was fancy. <laughs> because they, they're so passionate. So passionate. It's what it is. They, they, they get it's so much so into believable. It. Absolutely. Jimmy Smith, or Jimmy Smith's rather, he did something, I think it was for Jimmy Kimmel. Where it was kind of like, you know, he was the Spanish announcer for everything. And he was standing up and he was like throwing <laughs> papers. And yeah, it was fun. But the World Cup, thank God for the World Cup. Because the Cardinal games have not been very good. So I've been watching soccer instead. Golf's been pretty good. Travelers was good this weekend. If, if it's a major, I normally don't watch golf. I know. I, I don't usually either. But uh, I was just intrigued by the Travelers this weekend. It, it was pretty good. Who, who ended up winning it? I, oh, Bubble won. Oh, Bubba Watson won it. Seventeen under. Good for him. Yeah, Stewart Sink. And then um Paul Casey, who was the leader after fifty four holes, finished in a tie for second and uh at fourteen under. So yeah, congratulations to uh old Bubba. First PGA tour win in a while. It was interesting to see Barry Trotz, who won the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals, quit that team. And we figured, oh, you know. He's probably going to spend some more time with his family. That kind of, I mean, Barry Trotz is kind of an older guy. You can see that where, you know, you just won the Stanley Cup, first one ever. You're probably exhausted. You're enjoying the moment. You know, take some time off and relax. Nope. He went right to the New York Islanders and is going to be their head coach. So if you're the Washington Capitals, how does that make you feel? You just won the Stanley Cup with this head coach. And he steps down. You're just kind of like, oh, you know what? Good for you. Spend some time with your family. And then two days later, he's the head coach of the New York Islanders. They must have made him an offer he couldn't refuse. That had to have been it. But, I mean, like, I, I can understand wanting the money and taking the money. But, man, don't mess with happy. You know, taking money to, to, mess, up with, to mess up with a happy is overrated, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. 100%. If you're happy... And you're comfortable and like more money really isn't going to make that big of a difference in your life. Then, I mean, I wouldn't mess with it. That's just me. The funny thing though, when Barry Trott did resign, there's this woman who writes for the Washington examiner. Her name was Kelly Cohen. And she was, they had a Senate hearing and she, you could see her in the background of the Senate hearing. She was sitting right behind. It was the inspector general of the FBI. I think it was his hearing um, Horowitz. And, She's sitting right behind him. She's, you know, a younger blonde woman. She's sitting there on her laptop, you know, just typing away. And then someone, she's a big Capitals fan, and someone texts her that Barry Trotz was, you know, stepping down as head coach of the Capitals, and you get to see her reaction. Oh, really? Yeah. That's kind of So funny. all of a sudden, she's like looking at her phone, looking at her laptop going, what? And then you could also later on see the reaction of people letting her know that the camera caught you <laughs> reacting to that. And then, then she just kind of like turned beat red and just started laughing. So it's kind of one of those funny real-life moments that uh, you get to see on camera. Does a series split with Milwaukee push the Cardinals in the right direction before the uh, before the break? Nope. More just kind of like There's running. more it, mediocrity. More mediocrity. More. I mean, it's, it's the definition of mediocrity. It's, it's 500. You split two. You know, you went two and two. Two wins, two losses. That game on Thursday night, that could have been really bad. That's a loss that could have lingered. And the fact that, I mean, if you're Mike Matheny and you're, yeah, Greg Garcia is up there on the mound and he's pitching and the players are kind of having fun with it. But I mean, like, look, this this shouldn't be a laughing matter. Your poor play is the reason why this happened. 
Carlos Martinez and uh, 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 Marcelo Zuno, like they just had really weird things happen during the game, and they both kind of blamed it on a ghost visiting their room, yeah. the hotel room in Milwaukee. Now, there's been there's been stories of this ghost before. I had. Th- that, Yadier will, will not stay. At, I think it's called the Fister. Correct. Well, Yadier will not stay at the Fister Hotel. And he's not the only one. I've heard of other players like in the NBA who will not stay at that hotel when they're in Milwaukee playing the Bucks. So, I mean, maybe I mean, someone who doesn't believe in ghosts, I mean, maybe there's something to that. find them a Hampton Inn or something. I thought really. the whole team just stayed in the same hotel. I guess not when they go to Milwaukee. <laughs> Are there not enough hotel rooms in Milwaukee? You there would, certainly has to be. You would think there would be because Milwaukee is a good sized city. Everybody I've talked to that's gone to Milwaukee to watch the Bre- the Cardinals play the Brewers keeps telling me how much fun Milwaukee is. I've heard Milwaukee is a lot of fun. That is actually a pretty fun town. They have a great Fourth of July deal. Do they? They have Summerfest. They do it on Lake Michigan, and because you people forget that it's right there on the lake too. Yeah, so it's beautiful up there. But they get huge acts. Go and keep talking. I'm going to look up who these is. Who's okay. playing Summerfest 2018 in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I, I, when LeBron was with the Heat, it was going to be one of those things that me and my friends were always going to one, one day do, drive up to Milwaukee and watch the Heat play the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks because at the time the Bucks weren't very good and we figured that was going to be the easiest way to get tickets was to see them play a team that wasn't very popular and wasn't very good. Hey, you know what? We'll just go get you know the cheapest uh, the cheapest seats that they have at the Bradley Center in Milwaukee and see the Bucks play the Heat. But we just never ended up doing it. So who do the, who do they have? Uh, Imagine Dragons, okay, Grace yeah. Vanderwall, James Taylor, Bonnie Raitt, Halsey, uh, Florida Georgia Line, Dave Matthews Band. That's a pretty big lineup. So this thing runs from June twenty seventh through July eighth, and so it's 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 quite the long deal. Journey, Def Leppard, um, the weekend. Blake Shelton, Arcade Fire, uh, Manchester Orchestra. Who else? Uh, That's pretty big. Huge deal. Remember before the whole Mike Brown riots happened, they were going to have a festival kind of like similar to that in St. Louis is going to be down, not Lou Fest. It was going to be something different. They were going to have a festival like that in downtown St. Louis. There was going to be like a rock pop one like during the spring and then a country one in the fall. Okay, I do remember this. Remember that? Yeah. And there was like there was a big hubbub about it because a lot of the people who ran smaller concert venues didn't want it to happen. Right. And then the Mike Brown riots happened, and they were all like, "Yeah, you know what? We're we're out of here. We're not we're, going yeah. to do this." But while we're on the subject, tip the uh, Last Man Up podcast cap to the organizers of Lou Fest. I thought they put together a really great lineup with Robert Plant and uh, for credentials and uh, Gary Clark Jr. Go, Good for you. I'm gonna try and go cover it. Good for you. Now. Fair St. Louis, a.k.a. VP Fair. Yes. Used to draw those kinds of huge names. It did. And now this year, on the 4th of July, they're going to have the symphony. Big deal. On July 6th, they have Jason Derulo and Andy Grammer. I don't, I have no idea who either one of those guys just, are. They're pop singers okay. who haven't had hits in... Don't know them. Three years. Never heard of them. And on Saturday night is the wonderfully beautiful Martina McBride. She is beautiful, and she's been around for a long time. Long so, time. I mean, like, so that's a, I mean, that's a good classic act. But it just goes to show what they're doing, again, like in other cities. That's super cool. And here's the crap that we get. <laughs> Even, that's, that's, you're right. That's another example. Um, growing up in Franklin County, the big fair there is the Washington Town and Country Fair. Huge, it's huge. And they get pretty big artists out there, don't well, they? Well, okay. I always said that their their uh, philosophy has been to get some washed-up rock act from like the 70s and 80s. But hasn't it been like Chicago and Ario Speedwagon coming out there? 
some washed up rock and roll act from the 70s and 80s. People love that stuff. They though. do. They do. They love it. They do. And then some up and coming country singer that I've never heard of because I don't listen to country. If Ario Speedwagon was playing Fair St. Louis, there would be 100,000 people in downtown St. Louis. Honest to God, if I was organizing Fair St. Louis every damn year, I would have Sammy Hagar because nobody loves Sammy Hagar more than St. Louis does. I every year. Every year. I don't get it. I I mean I don't I th- get it either. I think Sammy Hagar is just okay. I think he's a talented dude. He's a he's a, he, he's a good rock musician. Exactly. Okay. He's good. He's not great. He's playing like clubs every place else. He gets to St. Louis and he fills up the Edward Jones Dome. And yeah. I do not get it. Probably could fill the dome one night and Bush Stadium the next night. And even people like it's not just older people who are there. I would see people who are like half my age pumped up to go see Sammy Hagar. Well, because they heard it from their parents. That, that's what how it cool, is. How cool, how it cool is. Sammy Hagar is. <laughs> it baffles me. Blows my mind. Too. It blows my mind. I have, um, I have several older friends like in their mid fifties now who are just Sammy Hagar. Ugh. Like they think it's awesome. Okay. They just, they're drooling in excitement over Sammy Hagar. Over Sammy Hagar. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it either. But, I mean, there's bands like that now that are big in St. Louis that really aren't that big anyplace else. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Like, Breaking Benjamin's one of them. And oh, they're, it, not, they're not big all over the place? No, they're just pretty much well big here, I think. Really? And uh, They're huge here. And, and Sick Puppies. Huge here, oh, too. Yeah. Huge. Every single Point Fest, it's almost always the same bands. It's always Breaking Benjamin, Sick Puppies, Chevelle, and uh, like Coheed and Cambria. It's like, it seems like it's always one of those four bands, if not all four of them, every point fest. And everybody gets so excited about it. Like, goes, it's the same damn one as last year. That goes to show you just how influential, though, the point is with music in this area. I mean, and it's the same thing, oh, with, yeah. same thing with KC. I mean, KC introduced all of these artists that no one had ever heard of before because AOR radio didn't exist back then. I mean, they invented it. Absolutely, they did. And so, I mean, and so St. Louis was, it was always. On the breaking on the on the uh, uh, breaking ground with that kind of stuff and, and opening up to new artists. At least it used to be. It used to be. It, well, uh, yeah, very much. So I want to say be. it is anymore. Well, no, because I mean, corporate radio has ruined that kind of stuff. I don't know if corporate ru- of corporate music or corporate radio has ruined it as much as you know. I saw someone write this article. I didn't get a chance to corporate read it. Just, everything has ruined everything. <laughs> I just saw the headline that you stop listening to new to new bands at the age of thirty. That once you get the rage of 30, I you would. Kind of, and I disagree with that. I think a lot of the bands that I listen to now, I discovered after I turned 30. But, I mean, I could see where that is. I could see that. I would say most of the bands I listen to, I knew about before I was 30. However, doing what I do, I'm very well aware of what's new. You and have to be. I have to be. Yeah, you have to be. So it's not my favorite music. By any, by any stretch of the imagination, all this, the new stuff, but I know what it is. Every once in a while, I'll throw it on Sirius Hits 1 on Sirius, which yeah. is kind of like the top 40 station. And I mean, a lot of it's okay. I mean, it, it's pop music. It's harmless. It's nothing that I would listen to all the time, but every once in a while, I can tolerate it. Was it you that was uh, tweeting about Yacht Rock? Yacht Rock. Yes. I've become a big fan of Yacht Rock, my friend. So, I, I'm this, so That's they, just me showing how old and white I am. They send me two emails a day. To turn my my serious radio back, I mean, they really want me to turn it back on, to the point where I think I can get like an entire year for fifty bucks. It's what happens after the first year is why I don't call them and do it. Sure, because it's like two hundred and seventy five dollars every six months. That serious is the only thing I listen to. Is it really? It's the only thing anyway, I listen to. So yacht rock is the move, huh? 
Yacht Rock is the move, uh, who my are friend. Some of, who are some of the artists on Yacht Rock? Okay, Toto. Oh, I like Toto. Okay, Boz Skaggs. Oh, I like Boz Skaggs. Hall and Oates. Oh, I like Hall and Oates. The Eagles. Oh, I like the Eagles. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. It sounds like the blend. Rupert Holmes. Oh, if you like pina coladas. Pina coladas, the pina coladas on Christopher Cross. Oh, let's go sailing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's light rock from like the mid-70s until like the early 80s. Some of those songs are terrible. Some of them are good, though. Some I, of them are really good. I think a lot of it is just kind of cheesy. I think what a lot of it is, too, is that it's kind of like it calms me down. I'm to the point where I need to listen to something that's going to calm me down, not, not ramp me up. Are you familiar with an artist by the name of Bob Welsh? Sounds familiar. Bob Welsh uh, did Sentimental Lady. Okay. It was one of his big songs. Bob Welsh, I really, I was looking at it. So I'm a member of the, of the St. Louis retro group. And they were posting pictures and ads from a uh, from a Bush Stadium uh, Super Jam. Okay, they did in the late seventies. They have like these four or five bands. Is Bob Welsh? Is he's the guy that was in Super Tramp? Oh, I don't know. Let's look. Because Super Tramp is another one that would be considered uh, yacht rock. Oh, I like that. Uh, Ten CC. Oh yeah, the things we do for love. Yeah. And that's also that's still the one. The uh, it was the theme show for America. The, another one too. Oh yeah. Uh, Bob Welsh bands associated acts. He was a Fleetwood Mac from seventy one to seventy four. Fleetwood Mac's another one they play a lot on yacht rock, huh? So you know, there's a, there's a famous band out of uh, around Centralia called Head East. Okay, they had never had any reason. Yep, flat Great a, song. Fla- flat as a pancake. Flat as a pancake. That is the album. Uh, Bob Welsh was part of uh, Head West. <laughs> their 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 brother band. Or 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 a ripoff band, I guess you could say, something like that. Something like that. But yeah, no yacht rock. If if you're looking at something to mellow you out, not bad. If you're listening to something, if you're wanting something to listen to while you're just like kind of like lounging around the pool, it's probably a good one too. Yeah. Now, do you pump that over a Bluetooth speaker? Or do you have headphones in when you're doing that? It depends on where where I'm listening to it. Okay. Like if it's in my car, obviously not. Like I have Sirius, and I listen to it on my laptop or on my desktop rather while I'm at work. Oh, okay. And I just have like noise canceling. Do you have to pay extra for the online access? I do. Oh, neat. And for for me, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, because See, I, and I'm a big Spotify guy. So I mean, I, I listen to Howard Stern in the morning until then. I'll listen to Dan Levitard, and Levitard's on until noon, and then afternoon I just kind of pick whatever I want to listen to. Okay. I just, and I like being able to listen to, like, if I feel like listening to jazz, I'll listen to jazz. So if I feel like listening to reggae, I'll listen to reggae. Ron Burgundy is going to play Yaz Flute. <laughs> if I feel like listening to, like, you know, the 70s channel, I'll listen to that. You know, I just like having all those different options when it comes to Sirius. And you want to talk about listening to new artists? A lot of the new artists that I was, you know, discovering and listening to, I discovered on Sirius. Like Arcade Fire and Band of Horses and the whole study oh, sure. and TV on the radio and and a lot of those songs, it's kind of funny. Me and a friend of mine, we would laugh at people who were still listening to like terrestrial radio because they'd be like, oh my God, you hear this new song? We're like, yeah, we heard it like three months ago on Sirius. It's not that new. This is Bob Wells. This, this one's called Ebony Eyes. And it'd be total yacht rock. Big time. 73 degrees in the Gateway City. Here's Bob Wells. <laughs> Do that pretty well. Hey, thanks. Yeah, it's not ringing a bell. You might know this one. It's not ringing a bell. It's funny stuff. So anyway, so Yacht Rock is the move. Yacht Rock is the move. And you know what I found? There's a Yacht Rock community. 
And uh, a friend of mine, he po- he commented on my post that Questlove from The Roots yeah. and the Jimmy Fallon Band put together a Yacht Rock playlist on Spotify, and he did that in, re- uh, in memorial of his friend, uh, Anthony Bourdain. You said the post. <laughs> this is also Bob Welsh. Now, this is more of Yacht Rock. The other one was a little maybe a little too hard for Yacht Rock. It's kind of hard to say Yacht Rock. It is kind of to say it. All right, so here are some of the things on the uh, on the Quest Love. Let's put this little pot at Bob down there a little bit. Uh, you Make My Dreams Come True by Daryl Hall and John Oates. September, yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Dreams, Fleetwood Mac, Africa by Toto. Easy Lover, Philip Bailey and Phil Collins. Oh, what a great song that is. Rest in peace, Philip Bailey, too. That is a great song. Is he R.I.P.? He is R.I.P. Let's go out on Easy Lover. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll do it live. I'll do it live. <laughs> Special thanks to Bob Nightingale from usatoday.com. Joining us, you can follow him on Twitter at B Nightingale. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. Follow Andy at Emo6. And follow Clay at Ton of Clayton. Everybody have a fantastic day. Yeah.